family, I'm going to take a quick second and tell you about our uh, new book. We go through several books a year. We don't necessarily teach on them through, he, uh, through the sanctuary. How many of you did 180 Degree Christian with us this year? Was it a good book? Amen. This book came out several years ago. I've read it two or three times. It's called The Church Awakening by Swindoll. It is in the same spirit of the 180 Degree Christian, but it talks about the basic, simple elements of church life being the teaching of the Word, prayer, the sharing of life one with another, communion, fellowship, and the same way the Acts Church was built. And I want to invite you to spend the next couple of months in this book with us. Now, this is, for some, a hard read. You know how some books have 61 chapters that are three pages each? Well, this has few chapters and long, so in between. Don't let that discourage you, but there's meat in these books for us. And I want to give you an opportunity uh, after service. If you want to pick them up, they'll be here next week as well. All we ask for is uh, $5 for a book, and that's a deal. If you want to give more than that, wonderful. Uh, that would cover for those that might not have. And listen, if you don't have the resources, Pastor, I just don't have it. You come get a book. It's our gift to you, and we're glad that you would be able to join with us as we read it. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 85. We started a little late this morning, so you may get a little shorter sermon and beat everybody to the cafeteria because that line gets long on Sunday. Ain't no food that good. I mean, if you got to stand up an hour, no, just give me something in the drive-thru. I'll eat on the way home. And then Kelly can cook a great meal tonight. All right. Psalms 85, verse 1. Lord, you have been favorable unto your land, and you have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You've forgiven the iniquity of your people, and you've covered all their sin. Selah, which means pause and think about that. You've taken away all your wrath, and you've turned yourself from the fierceness of your anger. Turn us, look at that, turn us, O God of our salvation. And cause your anger towards us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you draw out that anger to all generations? Now you need to know in context that Israel is in a period of judgment for unconfessed sin and idolatry. But they're repenting. They're changing. And they're asking God for mercy in their repentance. And here it is. Will you not revive us again, Lord? Would you start something and not finish it? Are you, are you predominantly judgment or is there both mercy and judgment? Will you, O oh Lord, do from heaven that which we cannot do on the earth and revive us again? Why? What does it say? Come on, what does it say? Will you not revive us again so that, what? Rejoice. That we can rejoice that our countenance will change and our attitude will change and our perspective will change. The chains will fall off. Our soul will be at liberty by the reviving of God, the, the quickening, the giving life of God. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. And as always, I, I want to pray for myself and I covet your prayer for me uh, this morning. Just that God would anoint my words because man's opinion, man's wisdom, and in even truth that's just shared without the anointing, there's no life. It's just 
precept upon precept, line upon line. But God's Spirit can quicken it to our hearts. So it's that in which we rely. So, Father, I just humble myself before you this morning. And I thank you for the privilege and the honor that someone like me can preach the eternal Word of God. I, I do not trust in my studies. I do not trust in any uh, communicative gift and surely not in my education. But Lord, if you can use me this morning, I pray that you would take this small offering, this vessel, and fill it, O Lord, and then pour it out for your people. May we leave this place not speaking of a man or of Christ Chapel, but may we leave this place and before we get settled in our car, say, today I heard from the Lord for my life. That's our desire. That's why we got up this morning, Lord. Our week is too long to get up early on Sunday and come listen just to a man. We long to hear from you for our life, O Lord. And we will receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God which is able to deliver us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is part four in our series about personal revival. Individual revival. A quickening of your spirit, a divine infusion of life, bringing something back to life. And the series is available outside in the foyer if you want to get CDs or DVDs. They're only a dollar. And we encourage you to spread them out, share with them with others. But I want to talk to you about misconceptions and realities. Or for those of us from Georgia, South Georgia, you know, we say what it is and what it ain't. But if I put what it is and what it ain't on the CD, you know, the white-collar people won't visit us. So it is, no, it is what it is and what it ain't. That's, that's, that's better than. Let me give you just very quickly as way of introduction misconceptions about revival. Those of us that have grew up in church, we think of revival as extended meetings, feelings of exhilaration, some preacher depending on what church you're from, you know, simonizing your head, pushing you to the ground and saying, you got it. Well, extracted meetings can bring us to revival based upon how much of the Word of God you ingest, digest, and apply. But revival is more about the man than the moment. No one brings revival with them. I traveled for five years. After I was a youth pastor for three years, I traveled for five and preached as an evangelist, which really was a revivalist. And I came to the conclusion after the five years, I, I could not help. Well, what do you mean? Well, if the vessel isn't desirous and the vessel's not prepared, I can't impart revival to anyone. Because revival does not come from a man. Revival comes from a humble soul that receives the word of God and in their humility, God quickens them because of their faith. Revival is a divine thing. And here's some misconceptions about it. it, is, it is a, revival is a byproduct. It's not an event. It doesn't happen in the service. That's why I, I, I stray away from the idea that, oh, if I can just get Pastor John to lay his hands on me. Well, yes, signs follow people that believe in his name. They lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But revival is, is not from a man. 
It's a divine communication of life. It is a byproduct. It comes after humility, after repentance, after abasement. One of the foundational scriptures for Pentecostal churches, and I are Pentecostal to my toes. I talk in tongues all of the time, but I'm not weird. Weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit, by the way. You can be filled with the Spirit and, and, and not be strange, if you will. But revival comes after. The, the Scripture says, the, the Pentecostal Jews, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. When does the power come on you? You shall receive power after. In churches we say, when? Oh! Do you know why we gravitate to that? Because that didn't cost you anything. No stripping, no purging, no purification, no consecration, no sanctification. And the preacher will stand there in all his arrogance and pride and um, come quick while it's on me. Let me give it to you. Revival is not imparted by man because man doesn't have it to give. Man can't give it. Revival is a divine work, totally independent of the flesh. The only part preaching, teaching has in revival is the communication of the anointed word, and then it's on you. That's it. I'm just a mailman. Revival is inside out, never outside in. And I'm going to take my time. Even if I don't get finished, we can finish next week. I don't want to be in a hurry here because these misconceptions can cause you to stumble. Oh, okay, we're going to have a revival. We're going to have a spring revival. Uh, we need to get the right speaker in, and we've got to get flyers. You know, you've got to get the flyer to tell everybody about it and draw them out. And then you have uh, the certain type of musicians that come, and we have these worship leaders, and we've got to have ambience. So we've got to have, you know, and there's nothing wrong with lights, okay? We've got lights. We don't have enough of them, but we've got lights. There's lights on in here. Uh, and we've got lights on the stage, but that has not one thing to do with revival. Because people think if you can get the ambience right and the certain type of music right and everybody on stage dressed the same way. We used to dress in suits. Now we don't wash. You just come as you are, you know, the T-shirt. And it's, it's, we've been in it long enough to laugh. It, it changes. But if you get the ambience right, then the revival comes from outside what we've prepared for you and it goes inside to you and that is a lie. Revival is not outside in. It's inside out. It starts in the soul of man by God's divine act. Revival cannot be manipulated, manufactured, or transferred. And it's not a feeling. You have feelings when you're quickened. That guy laying on the gurney that's out, and they say, clear. He felt it. He felt it. His body moved. But it's not about a feeling, but a fellowship. Every spiritual feeling does not result in fellowship, but every fellowship results in feeling. That's why I don't let my feelings dictate to me what type of service we have or what type of, where am I? It's not my feelings. It's the calmness in my soul is all at peace, is all at rest. Does my conscience clear? That's revival. 
and people drive hours and hours. Oh, they're in revival. How do you know? Because everybody's excited. Well, everybody's excited at the ball game. But that's not revival. Are you saying revival isn't exciting? I'm saying it's a fellowship. And with it, the feelings follow. And I, I'm just, just your pastor. I'm just offering this to you. You don't share intimate things with everybody. Corporate revival is nothing more than individuals who have had personal revival worshiping together. God doesn't grant corporate revivals. What happens is different believers start to ignite. Different believers come out of their sins. Different believers open up their heart and start to worship. And it spreads and they say, we're in revival. But God doesn't do magic. These people are having revelational and transformational encounters with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and it spreads across the church. All right, you know I'm going to say it. This is good. I'm buying this CD on my way out. And I'm, gonna, I'm preaching better than you responding, but that's okay. I'm, I'm gonna... I've been with you 22 years. I ain't going nowhere. You have to run me out of town. And don't do that, by the way. Revival cannot be anything... Listen, listen to your pastor, please. I don't care what you see on television or on the internet. And, you know, we got feathers falling from the sky and gold dust falling from the sky. And we saw a cloud. Now, listen, the, the cloud of God's glory on the Ark of the Covenant was there so that Israel would know the Lord is there. We don't look for clouds now. We house the cloud. We house it. Don't get caught up in this. This bizarre, oh, these expressions and they're all supernatural. Oh, brother, would you saying none of them are God? No, this is what I'm saying. Anything that doesn't originate, continue, and culminate in the person of Jesus Christ is not a revival. Well, there were healings. Which doctor can heal you? A drunk doctor can heal you. I didn't say there aren't signs. I believe in signs. I believe when God comes in a room, miraculous things happen. But anything that does not originate, continue, and culminate in the person of Jesus Christ is a false revival. False. Oh, I felt the Lord. Well, you had that same feeling when Aretha hit a note. You're in the car. Aretha, oh, oh, I felt it. Your feelings don't determine what revival is. And I'm being as honest with you as I can. We're in the last moments before the return of Jesus Christ. And the church is asleep and deceived. Turn on something on television and thousands of people. Oh, the Lord's here. And my spirit man says, "Uh uh-uh. Oh, there's a spirit here. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Because it did not originate with, continue in, and culminate with the person of Jesus Christ. If that standard is not met, it is false. All right, get to my sermon. Number one, personal revival is available to you today. Regardless of your male or female, rich or poor, educated or uneducated, young or old, personal revival is available to you. You have the relationship with Jesus Christ that you want. And we gravitate to those other 
quick fixes, those other, this service that's going to happen is going to give me revival because that's easier than walking in the light. Because I can go to that service and get my shock without having to look the Lord in the face and answer questions about the choices and the priorities in my life. It's available to you. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? The Bible says in Acts 5-2 that God gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey Him. So there's the asking, there's the obedience. And to the repentant. Revival comes not just because I stand in front of someone with my hands up and they touch my head. It's when all that is between God and I is removed. Uh, Any of you guys in here electricians okay shade tree electricians raise your hand electricians raise your hand some okay and i'm gonna put you on the spot you're gonna help me because i one of the things your pastor's smart about i know what i don't know what is what is the importance of grounding electricity someone tell me someone stand that's electrician and tell me That's the simple version. <laughs> so you don't get shocked. When, when we aren't grounded, okay, power, God's power can kill you. When Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and they said, uh, did you sell your land for this much? Yes, we did. He said, when it was in your hand, didn't you have the power whether to sell it or not sell it? Why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? And he dropped dead. And his wife dropped dead. And, and they carried him out of the church. I submit to you, people stopped lying on that Sunday. Now listen to your pastor. Do you know why Christians can live like hell today? Live immoral, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, revelry, drunkenness, vulgar languages, vulgar what coming in, vulgar coming out, and no ramification because they're not connected to the Lord. They name His name. But when I walk with the Lord and when you walk with the Lord, and you're grounded in the person of Jesus Christ, conviction comes. That's the grounding. The conviction comes and said, don't touch that. Because the Lord doesn't dwell with unholy people. The most important thing in your life is to be grounded with Christ. And we, we sing. I, I tremble sometimes. We say, send your glory. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I do. Don't, not yet. I need to make sure that I'm grounded because your glory would kill me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And how can 10,000 people cram an auditorium, they rev up the music and everybody dancing around, revival, revival, because there's no electricity flowing. Just false spirit, lying spirits, because the dove of the Holy Spirit will not land on unclean ground. Ask Noah. 
It just comes back and says, there's nowhere to land. There's nowhere to land. Now, a raven can land anywhere. Oh. So, Pastor John, are you saying that much of what goes on for revival is emotionalism? It isn't God because people would be smitten. I trust that you never have to know this feeling. But there are Sundays that your pastor comes in here on Sunday morning over the last 22 years. Not often, thank the Lord. But there will be a sin, a sin of omission or commission, a lustful thought, uh, a shaded truth or something. And I'm about to get up and preach. And I tremble. I say, Lord, before I go up, you know. And I confess. I humble myself. And I will work out the details with you when I get home. But I'm asking for mercy now before I go up and share your word. How can all that power fall on 10,000 people if they, like they said it's happening? And no judgment. Because it's not power. It's static electricity, but it's not power. Power is the ability to live solely for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, free from sin and with joy. That's power. It's not how loud you get. It's not how the, what it looks like. And the, you know, many people say, well, 60 come to the altar. We're in revival. Well, the Bible, see, the Bible will mess you up. It will mess you up. It'll mess your theology up. It'll mess your sermons up. Ask any pastor. Okay? He said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Well, how did you determine there was a revival? I observed it. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, but is in fact righteousness, which is a right standing with God, peace in my soul, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the kingdom of God. So I'm not saying when people come to the altar, that's not God. I'm saying that's not the evidence. It's an internal quickening, bringing back to life the work of God that started in your life when you were saved. It comes to those who are repentant, those who will sanctify and consecrate themselves, those who guard their heart and mind, those who have the capacity for it. Some of us do not experience individual revival and it's not, some of us is for sin, but there are others, that's not it for you. You live the best that you can. You don't have room for it. You're too busy. And it's easy to get busy today. And can I just be an equal opportunity offender and make everybody mad today? Just, and then just give him a pass. Just get in the car and say, bless pastor. He'll, he'll be more pleasant next week. We'll have. When I was growing up, you didn't have 60 auxiliaries you could participate in. And if, you, if you're going every day of the week and every night of the week and out of town on Saturday and Sunday afternoon, you don't have time for revival. Babies can't do everything. And you know what some of us do? Some of us fall in the trap of letting our children do everything so we can feel better about ourselves as parents. I want my babies to do something. They ain't going to do everything. Well, I want to dance, and I want to cheerlead, and then soccer. You best pick one. 
hopefully the least expensive one. You'd be a good cheerleader. You'd do the figures, cheerleading. Oh, you'd be good cheerleading. Which <laughs> Capacity for revival is the emptied soul and time to visit with the Lord. Time to read His Word. Time. And whoever controls your schedule is your authority. Personal revival is available because it's God's desire to live close to us. I can prove it. With no exceptions, no exclusions, he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Just that. So, Lord, if I... Then I'm three your way. So if I make room for you, I'll fill you. If I turn my back on this, I'll turn my face toward you. But God will never grant revival to the person that is not available and has capacity and is clean. Revival doesn't call cause cleanliness. Cleanliness makes capacity for revival. Well, why? Because that would bypass you having to mortify your members on the earth. That would cause you, if revival just came on you, then you wouldn't have to pluck out the eye that offends you, cut off the hand. See, it's part of the the repentant part. Okay, personal revival number two. Not only is it available, it's costly. Well, wait a minute, Brother John. Then what part of grace is that? Grace is the only way you would have access to revival. Being born again, if it weren't for grace, we have no footing, no place. Grace, forgiveness of my sins cost me nothing, but to live close to Jesus Christ will cost you. Grace makes this opportunity available. See, when I'm born again, I'm a son. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And revival is, is not, uh... see, being a son, we're not striving for that. We're working from the son. So the, the road to revival is not to become a son. It's the road to see if you're going to be an honorable or dishonorable, effective or ineffective, faithful or unfaithful. That's your choice. There's no salvation outside of grace. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Are we in agreement? But after that grace, it's all your choice. And it costs. It will cost you personally in the area of self-denial. you got to tell yourself no. I use this illustration often because it's one I'm familiar with and, and it resonates here because of you know our love for food. When... When you, Jesus said, when you fast. And believers say, what's fasting? When? You ever fasted? Oh, I fasted an hour one morning between the donut and fasting. No food. And so to get around that, we've got a hundred different diets. Daniel fast. That's, no. Fast means no food. Well, I, Daniel fast. I'm not trying to make you mad. Fast means no food. And bird food is food. These people, I'm on a Daniel. I just got just don't eat nothing. So your flesh is screaming 
Hey, up in here, I'm hungry. You best do something about it. And some of us will fast two or three days and then eat six whoppers when we come off of it. And you try to tell your flesh, no, that's what fasting does. It says, you're not God. And it says, want a bet. They told me, you know, the first time I fasted, I was at day three. And I said, uh, does this get easier? It's, oh, day five, it's, it's gone. No, day five, it, it wasn't gone. I was hallucinating. I'm smelling food on people when I walked by them. I went, you ate at barbecue place, didn't you? You had barbecue. I can I smell that. And when you tell your flesh no, it screams no. You will get up and seek the Lord. No, you will stay up and seek the Lord. You will pray. You will search His Scripture. Not out of legalism, but out of esteeming inner revival as more important than those fleshly desires. The issue for you when you're saved is between sin and righteousness. And after you're saved, it is the world and God. How much of the Lord? It will cost you relationally. Listen to this in Matthew 10. Jesus said, don't think I come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come and I will set it uh, a, a man against his father and a daughter against their mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes will be they of their own household. And if you love father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And if you find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. I can't walk filled with the Spirit and walk with everybody. There's some people, they name the name of the Lord and they're kicked out of their family. Well, sometimes it's not naming the Lord. They don't mind you naming it as long as they don't see God in you. But if you live righteously, not weird, righteously, eventually something will come up where you side with God, with God's word, with God's principles, and the sword comes in between both of you. And this idea now that the church is the friend of the world and Sunday's Chick-fil-A day and come on in, all of us are the same. We're all God's children. No, we're not. Only those that have been born again are God's children. People have no problem with me when I preach a gospel. But when I preach the gospel and I say, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other road. There is no other person. There is no other path. Salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. Then it divides between me and everybody else. It's going to cost you relationally. But when, when, when you married, when I'm married, we said no to everybody else. That's what Christianity is. So you're saying, I'd love the chance to talk to Oprah. I would. Oh, swolled up with new age. She told a lady on her show, she goes, how dare you insinuate that Christianity, that Jesus is the only way. I'd love a chance to chime in on that. How dare you use your millions and billions and your influence to damn a generation with your feel-good gospel. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And unless we have an acceptable sacrifice... I don't get to choose what that sacrifice is. I must be part of the acceptable sacrifice. I will die in my sins. And you live that way, it'll cost you relationally. 
So you think you're the only one going to heaven. If you're not born again, you won't make heaven. And I don't mean arrogance. It'll split a family. To stand up. It's impossible to stand up and not stand out. It's just impossible. It will cost you emotionally. I get tired. Anybody else get tired of being the last one invited to lunch? Hey, Margarita Day, Barbarita Day, we're going to go to the Mexican place. It's two for one, everything. You coming, you coming, you coming. What's up, John? All right. Y'all know it work. You know? Are they telling a joke or something? You walk up and, hey. Oh, I, I got it. No problem. Recently, we had a, a reunion with my college buddies. And boy, that was 100 years ago. We had an SAE reunion, and they were all going. I'd seen pictures from the last one. It was a three-day drunk fest, and uh, nobody called me. I was pledge trainer. I won most respected brother. I had a, nobody called me. Can you imagine them getting together? Three days, we'll be in the Keys. Bring the preacher. Some preachers you can bring. Don't call him. Don't, don't call, whatever you do, don't call John. He'd sit over there on the stump and just stare at everybody. Leave him alone. But I get tired of being in the minority. Do you? I don't know what you're talking about. I know. If you're not with me, you're against me. And if you're not gathering with me, you're scattering abroad. Well, I just don't feel that way. Your feeling's wrong. But I've got news for the tired believer today whose path is lonely. Minority here. Majority there. Majority there. It will cost you emotionally. It will cost you financially. Oh, here we go. I don't need your money. I don't need your money. 22 years. We've never had one capital fund drive, not one. You're looking at a $10 million building. I'm going to tell you again, I don't need your money. But you need to express your giving to God in a local body consistently for your sake. But let me just tell you this. When you live revived, then you understand that your assets aren't your assets. You're just a steward of them. And you'd be surprised how free God is with your money. Anybody say, shock you. He asked me to give of, of my... Nope, wasn't yours. That's the conflict. It's hard to be wealthy and follow the Lord. By wealthy, I don't mean having nice things. I mean hoarding them. Because God will say, give that car away. What? I'm on my fifth car, and one stolen from me from a Christian, so that makes six, I guess. And I'm not boasting. I'm not boasting. The first time, first time I gave away $100, I thought I was going to die. I thought, and they pulling on it, in Jesus' name. I had to go get my blood pressure checked. I'm like, they didn't work for that. They, first time he asked me to get, first new car I ever had in my life, new which means you ain't got to worry if it's going to crank. New. No Cheetos ground in the floor. 
Y'all didn't tell me about, about kids either. Car looks like, I cleaned it on Saturday. It looks like Beirut on Sunday inside the car. Y'all riding with your mama today. That's what we're doing. Had a missionary come to our church. We we're a month old. My car's, I had it about a month. I put $4,000 down on it. He said, give me a car. And I said, I, I can't do that because I owe on it. The bank owes it. Oh, no, I, I understand. See, we try to do that. I wonder what the Lord, yeah, brings the angels up. Come here, watch John. Watch what he's going to do. Watch this. Give your car to the missionary. Oh, I would. But I have an outstanding balance on it. So smart. Sell your car and give them the equity and tell them you're going to do it. Tell them the story. No angels come in. You're the greatest. You are so great. Nothing but knowing my car is going up for sale. And I said, and I'll mail you the check. Thank you, Brotherwood. Yeah, yeah, right. That was the first car. And it's dawned on me that if I'm going to live close to the Lord, He's going to want me to be generous to His work and to people. That doesn't mean you empty your accounts out. It means that you're just going to be a giver. Well, I lost, you lost your joy there, so I'll go to the next one. I'll skip right through here. It will cost you financially because you'll see what God sees, you'll feel what God feels, you'll know what God knows, and you'll do what God does. It will cost you systematically, progressively, and perpetually. It will cost you deeply, to be revived deeply because if you're near the Lord he'll communicate you in intimate ways he'll ask you for your main thing like Jacob when he lost Rachel the Bible said he buried Rachel uh, on the way to Ephrata which means on the way to fruitfulness he buried Rachel if you don't know the story this is just the cliff notes he saw this girl and he's like uh now back then they negotiated I, said, I guess you still negotiate now with the size of the ring. You, you know, she says, no, you come back. She says, no, you come back. She goes, yes. I guess there's negotiation. So he talked to Laban about Rachel, and he said, you'll have to work for me seven years, no pay. Deal. Okay, time out. Girls, just close your ears. Fellas, she had to be fine. Seven years without a check? And he jumped at him like, did she do anything else? She got any degrees or she got, you know, she on a bit, does she own a bass boat? Does she got something going on? Seven years. And I'm not going to go into the details. We might have a couple of children here. But on the wedding night, it was, it's like surprise. You meet in the tent. You know, they don't have street lights, lights, motion lights, just dark. He goes in the tent and spends all night with his wife. And he wakes up. It ain't Rachel. It's ugly Leah. Look in the Hebrew and see what it says about Leah. Plain. She's got a great personality. though. Anyway, there's a lot I could say, but it's not the time right now. So he goes to Laban and he goes, Bruh! What happened? Oh, we have to get rid of the first daughter first but you can have her for another seven years deal she had to be fine 14 years 
And I said all that so it would stick in your mind. Safe to say that he couldn't live without her. And on the way to fruitfulness, Rachel died. She brought forth a boy. And they named him one name of misfortune. And he said, no way. That boy's name is Benjamin. He's the son of my right hand. And he buried Rachel. See, on some of our paths with God, we've lost the irreplaceable thing. We've lost the main thing. And if you survived the burying of Rachel, you can get through anything. I'm telling you from experience, I'm not all the way there, but there's more time behind me than ahead of me. And I have learned when you come through Red Seas, swollen brooks don't ever scare you no more. It'll cost you relationally, financially, deeply. And the reason revival is so rare is few people will pay the price to have it and do the work to keep it. You need to write that down. Few people will pay the price to have it and do the work to keep it. Number three. Ben, if you would come, please. Individual revival is powerful. When you start to come alive, you start to have the perspective of God about sin, about things, about opportunity, about heaven, about ministry, about giving, about healing, about uh, doing the works of Christ. It, it, when you become quickened, in the same way when you were saved, you saw the kingdom of God. When you become revived, brought back to life, you see it even more clearly. Walk in the Spirit, the Bible says. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's powerful to be quickened by God and to maintain that quickening through nearness. Not perfection, nearness. It is powerful because it demands us to reprioritize. Revival makes us say, I, that's, just not as, that's just not important. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't matter tell you my priority list and I know the Lord's listening God family not ministry not you not preaching God my individual relationship with him family ministry others self you can't walk with God and be ahead of anybody else because it's a place of humility. And if you will live in the back of the banquet in this life, God will call you to the front of the banquet in the next life. You follow me? It's the emptying out. And Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, emptied himself took upon himself the form of a servant. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. Revival reprioritizes. It's powerful because it pushes us to rebuild old altars and construct new ones. 
go back to the place. You can name the place where you knelt and said, I give you everything. Not just my sins. Everything. I need to rebuild that altar and reconstruct a new one. It's powerful because it creates a hunger and a thirst for God, His Word and His Spirit. It's addictive. Life is addictive. Life, wholeness, soundness, peace is addictive. It's powerful because it makes possible healing, grants us peace, and fills us with joy. Personal revival results in peace and joy. There are multimillionaires that would empty their account out today, empty it out to be at peace. And you have it in Him. In Him, we have our peace. Joy. To be able to enjoy the little things, the medium things. See, the world has to create an event. Two weeks from now, we're going to go over here and jump out of a plane and kayak down a river. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but they, they live because they don't have the capacity, many of them, to enjoy the small things. You know, one of my favorite things in the world to do is to lay in my front yard and let my boxers crawl all over me, my dogs crawl, and lick just, just the little things. So God gives you the capacity to sleep, to be at peace and to find joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And finally, revival is really God bringing in the heavy equipment. Now, we're doing the work with Him and clearing out the path between He, he and I so there's nothing in the way. Some of you have thick underbrush in the way other you have walls that's why the psalmist cried will you not do this for me I can't can't do it and God brings the bulldozer in and he clears out and says how about this you can have it and he mows it over how about this you can have it how about this and then he'll come back this way again And when there's nothing between you and God, there's nothing between you and God. So if you need His help, there's nothing between you. He's not got to crawl over stuff to get to you. I wouldn't preach a message like this and then try to drum something up in the end. That's not what we're going to do. Are you fully alive? And if not, would you paid the price to get there okay Pastor John that's a lot of material sum it up for me here it is honest assessment deep repentance honest assessment where am I deep repentance constant nearness and you'll find your soul coming back to life You'll find your song coming. I don't know who that's for. That wasn't in my notes. You're going to sing again. I see that so strong in my heart. You used to be one that you'd lift your hand and the tears would flow and you don't cry no more. 
The song of the Lord returns when revival happens. And joy. I don't want to. I will not strive to. And I will not allow myself to to be the pastor that thinks revival is people lining up for me to put my hand on them. Revival is you looking on my countenance and saying, I want what he's got. That's revival. Oh, Lord, would you not revive us again? Y'all just close your eyes with me and pray in your own words. Lord, we call on you today. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Renew a right spirit within us. Cleanse us from unrighteousness as we turn from our sins. Breathe on us again, O breath of God. Turn back the clock. Renew our heart, our minds, our lives, our souls, O Lord. Quicken us. Uproot anything that's dishonorable to you. Uproot it, Lord. Bring in the heavy equipment. Mow it over. Plow it up. Make me tender again, O Lord. We're asking you to... We can't do it. But we can ask you. And whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Or it means delivered. Deliver me from who I was yesterday and recreate me again, O God. Would you stand with me this morning? Ben, just lead us through that, if you will. If this is your prayer, don't make it a song. Don't sing the song. Sing it as a prayer. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to Him. Christ be for you, the beginning, the middle, and the end of all. In his presence, you're dismissed this morning. God bless you.